and welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was the legendary Dion and I Aim to Please, a duet with Danielle Nicole. That's one of the highlights from his new album, Girlfriends, released on Joe Bonamassa's KTBA Records on March the 8th. And of course, I've got the honour of speaking to Dion here today on the Strange Brew about his new material and amazing old material as well. So this is a real treat. Let's hear my chat with Dion. Yo! Hello. I'm here. It worked. <laughs> How you been? <laughs> I'm great. The main thing to talk to you, Dion, is about your fabulous new album, Girlfriends. And you're on a run of fantastic work. And we just heard your latest track, I Aim to Please, with Danielle Nicole. What was the um, inspiration in terms of the concept for the album? Well, I had done an album called Blues with Friends. And I worked with uh, Samantha Fish. And it was so much fun working with her. And, you know, girls, just they change the atmosphere of the room, you know, and uh, especially beautiful, talented women. And it was so much fun. And I worked with Patty Scalfa, and I, I love working with her. She's just delightful, and, and Bruce is so helpful. But then I went to Stomping Ground, and I worked with Marsha Ball and Ricky Lee Jones and uh, a few other women. And I... I don't know, something something just, uh, when I started writing on this latest album, I thought it would be an interesting thing to write some of the songs as a conversation, uh, like across the table, to you know, like that you're having with a, a woman. And it just kept going. I got on the Joe Bonamassa Blues Cruise, and I thought, I heard Maggie Rose, and I heard Joanne Shaw Taylor. Because yeah. I listen to a lot of music, so... You know, I've always been listening to Susan Tedeschi and uh, Colleen Carter, and I love Rory Block, and there's so many Sue Foley's an old friend. I just thought, man, it would be a great idea just to do a whole album. I didn't call it Girlfriends at the time, but I started to think of writing in this direction that writing these... uh, Instead of doing like a Tony Bennett album where you just pick up yeah. a whole bunch of traditional songs and everybody sings a verse, no matter what the song is saying, I thought it would be interesting to actually have a relationship kind of song where you're talking back and forth. But I didn't want to make it boring and write them all like that. So I I changed it up a little and I uh, I come up with this album, Girlfriends. And like I said... I listen to a lot of women who are just mesmerizing, distinctive, uh, masterful kind of monster musicians and a source, a force to be dealt with. They they are like, they're unbelievable. That's how I got that song, Soul Force. I thought, I thought man, so it just, I call it the feminine genius. Yeah. And I aim to please. There's an element of fun, especially with a video. Yes, you know what happened? I, <laughs> that song had, had an evolution in itself. I started it out like a Jimmy Reed thing, you know, and I was singing it down here, and it was it was like very sexy. Yeah. It could go either way. So I, I started it down there, and I, I was like just singing the song. <laughs> then I had Danielle Nicole come in, and she isn't in my range. She said, should I sing it lower or higher? I said, sing it higher. It's good for the contrast. Well, she started singing in, with such power and energy that I started, there's not a, 
every verse on that song is different. I start here, I move up here because I'm trying to match her energy, and then I move up here in the last verse. She just kept pushing me. Yeah. So these are the surprises that happen, and uh, I liked it. You know, it's not like my original intention for the song. I felt like I was going in, in a, you know, a good place. So I went with it. And uh, man, I tell you, Jason, between you and me and the rest of you guys who are listening to this, personally, as far as I'm concerned, since Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston have passed on and gone to a better place, I tell you, this girl is the best singer on the planet. Yeah. She's unbelievable. You mentioned Soul Force earlier with uh, Susan Tedeschi and her, the guitar on that as well. That really adds an extra element to the song. Yeah, she's a great guitar player. I love the way she sings. Uh, we promised each other that in the future we'll do a song together, singing together. But uh, she she's just so natural. and And these girls, they take it serious. You know, they're not into uh, fame or being a pop star. They just love them. They're into the music. They're serious, you know, and I love it. Show. 
You mentioned Joanne Shaw Taylor earlier, and that's uh, the song is just like that. And she's British. Yeah, I met her on the Joe Bonamassa Blues Cruise, and we were. She said, "I'd love to do a song with you." And man, can she play? And I, I she has a very distinctive voice. Also, she's a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Another one. She, man, imagine if these girls were around in the fifties, they'd have to rebuild yeah. the Paramount Theater, you know, on an Alan Freed show or something. <laughs> It's ridiculous. They're so good. A song with a different element and a bit more reflective is An American Hero. What was your inspiration behind that? Well, here in America, I think maybe it's the same over in the UK. It's so divisive right now, you know. I don't know if it's an illusion of division or or it's the, uh, you know, the cable channels that just play to their base and like to split everybody up. But I kind of got sick of it, and I, I said, you know, stop looking to politicians and Hollywood and the, the tabloids and for heroes. Look inside your own heart. This, this song was written to the ordinary person saying, hey, you be the hero in your environment and the 10 people you, you, that are involved in your life. If everybody could do that, this would be a, a great world. And there's a line in the song says, why are we waiting from afar? Let's be the heroes that we are. So I'm asking everybody to to be a hero in their own life and take responsibility and not sit around being a victim and think that they're owed something. And come on, a little, what's, what's wrong with the word incentive? I don't hear it anymore. A little earning and merit and using God-given talents, you know, which God gave us all. So come on, let's stand up and do it. You know, stop complaining. Got all these victims around. Carleen Carter's on that as well, so this, with an incredible lineage. When I talk to her about the song, you know, the Carter family, they're part of the earth in America. You know, they were, they were born right out of the, the ground, you know. If anybody would understand that song, she would, and she did. And uh, she, she understood that it wasn't political, it was patriotic in a way, you know, to be a patriot, you don't have to be political, you know? So uh, like uh, in England, people moved to England because they loved it. It was, a, it's a great, great country. Now you got people moving there that don't like it. It's horrible. That, that's, that to me is unacceptable. We saw the lights go down across the land 
Stand up tall. 
briefly mentioned earlier Angel in the Alleyways with um, Patty Scalfer and Bruce. That's a special song of yours. You know, listen, at my age, I think I've been surrounded by my guardian angel or, you know, because I don't know how I got here. I, it's, I couldn't plan it. And uh, the protection and, and care from above, I, I'm a believer. I think uh, I just felt I, you know, I was writing it about something transcendent. I've, I've been clean and sober 55 years. I came into a spiritually based 12-step program and uh, I wanted to bring a transcendence to, to a, the song and say, hey, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But I, I couldn't plan it if I tried. I'm under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm under this spout of uh, the wellspring of creativity. I, I'm I'm just being blessed, you know, and I'm a grateful man. And I wanted to put that in a song. And if anybody understands that, it's Patty Scalfer. You know, she just has a beautiful heart and a good person and, and looks up. And uh, Bruce and her are very grateful people. So, you know, when I write a song, I listen to so much music, Jason, that I, I think as I'm listening to it, I I always think, I know who will sound good on this. It's not that I write it for them. I just, uh, it seems, I just listen to it and I hear somebody that I really enjoy listening to. Maybe they'll give a contribution to this song the way it is. And in that case, you know what happened? I, I sent that song to Patty Scalfo. This is the only song I sent out, just me and my guitar. Wow. And she produced it. She sent back 48 tracks. I mean, that wow. is putting time and love into something. The bass, the harmonies. If you listen to that song, each verse is different. She actually arranged it and produced it where each verse is very, very different. <laughs>
There's another song of yours in, in more recent years, um, Song for Sam Cooke, and I think you collaborated with Paul Simon on that. Was that related to when you toured with uh, Sam? You know, I traveled with uh, Sam Cooke uh, back in the early 60s, and uh, he was just a very stand-up guy, very a very kind of statuesque, uh, very intelligent guy, uh, a believer, a very spiritual guy, like... His father was a preacher, and I always felt like, you know, now that I look back on it, that our relationship was uh, kind of based on brotherly love, you know. And he taught me that if race matters to you, you're a racist. Just as simple as that. It didn't matter to us. We we didn't look at it. It was like hair color or eye color. So actually, they're saying something totally different in America now. They're saying it should matter to you. No, I don't think so. I think I'll go with Sam. But he he was a very, very intelligent guy. And I've seen him in all kinds of situations uh, with people in the South at that time, like calling him names up close. And I never seen him react. I've always seen wow. him turn things around in such an, an intelligent way that he had people look at themselves. Because I was from the Bronx. I was like, hey, Sam, why don't you whack that guy? You know, like, but never. He, and then it dawned on me one day why he never reacted or got ruffled. He was the most intelligent guy in the room. And the one thing he cared about, he wasn't in that relationship to win. He was in the relationship to, to bring up what was true. What's true? That was his aim not to win the argument or to be better or to get over on somebody or to, uh, you know, to be right. No, he just kind of turned the thing around and say, well, let's look at what what's true. And he, he had that ability to show people and they'd walk away tongue-tied. About the Sam Cooke song here in America, song for Sam Cooke, that song is about him protecting me. <laughs> In the, oh, really? Yeah. If you listen to it, he he took me to a club to see James Brown before James Brown was popular. And uh, people were coming on to me. You know, the, it was kind of like a reverse kind of uh, discrimination or and he would like tell, hey, this is my brother. You know, he's with me. Yeah. <laughs> Hands off. Relax. So uh, that's what the whole song is about. And uh, if you listen to it, you could you could hear it. And I. I had it in the drawer for so long, but when I saw Green Book, I took it out and I 
I said, you know, I, I think I'm going to do this. And I, and I recorded it with Paul. Paul got it. It wasn't about the racism or anything like that. It was, it's, the song is about brotherly love. We traveled this land back in 1962. We played the places that were home to me and you. We drove to Memphis. We rocked the set. We walked the streets at night and smoked a cigarette here in America. Here in America. There was so much I didn't know. About the way that life could go Here in America Down the block I saw the people stop and stare You did your best to make a Yankee boy aware I never thought about the color of your skin I never worried about the hotel I was in here in America that you were near 
In more recent years as well, great album of yours from the mid-60s, Kicking Child, finally saw a release. How was that being released now feel for you? So Kicking Child, uh, that's a song, that was the one song on the album, Blues with Friends, that uh, I did a redo. I, I didn't think it was living in the right place, you know. And uh, I used to, I would sing it at my friend Joe Menz's house, and we, he's a great guitar player. And I said, let's do it. You know, we, we put the song on there. And uh, I remember doing it in the mid 60s, but I did a new, a, a different spin on it, just slightly different that I felt the song deserved. And I'm happy the way it came out. Very happy. There's a song of yours called Your Own Backyard, which is a really special song. Is that about overcoming some of the difficulties you had in the 60s? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that song was like, you know, it was just about, I was a drug addict in the mid-60s. I was uh, using heroin with Frankie Lyman. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, he did Why Do Fools Fall in Love? And uh, we were hanging together and using drugs. And in February of 1968, he died of an overdose and it shook me up. And I made a decision to... Uh, to go to some meetings and find out what was going on. And I've never looked back. I've been clean and sober for 55 years. But at the time, maybe a year after I got clean and sober, I wrote that song. You know, I put that song together. And uh, it was just saying, hey, it's <laughs> drugs are a big fooler. They'll kill you. They don't like people, like artists, sometimes they think you take a drug and you get creative. Nah. <laughs> It's not so, you know, not so at all. I've written 30 of the greatest songs I've ever penned in the last four years, I'd say. Yeah. And uh, it has nothing to do with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. I mean, it, it, it has to do with being clear-headed and seeing relationships and really tapping into the gift that God gave me, you know. I've been sitting here thinking about when I started in drinking. I went on the dope, surely to change my life. I cried a tear in a beer for me. I lost everything near and dear to me, namely my children and my wife. I'm my idea. Having a good time We're Sitting with my head Between my knees I knew everything There was to know Everything except Which way to go I cried oh God Take me with you please Yeah many a time I swore up and down I didn't need any of this junk that was going round I can quit, let me finish what I got After all this stuff sure costs a lot Then I'll get my feet back on the ground Oh, I can't tell nobody how to live 
in general as well as the songs that you write have an impact on others they help to sweeten life they help to reflect life and it's transformative in a way is that something that you recognize in terms of writing and releasing songs yeah i love that approach because i've been so blessed with uh, people sharing with me how to get to to higher ground or to a higher reality and to get out of the funk I was in. And they helped me. And it, it comes through in my writing. For instance, I, I wrote a song called Crying Shame. And it's about an alcoholic. And at the end of the song, he doesn't get well. Over the 55 years I've been clean and sober, I've seen people that don't want it. They don't grab onto it. They just resist. They're defiant. They're self-willed. They have very strong wills, and they stay in, in their addiction. And that's what that song is about. But I wrote it to show you, like, this isn't good to stay there. You know, I didn't let him come out of it. I just said, look, it's, it's a guy who is, like, if you know any junkie or alcoholic, the way they do life is they blame everybody. You shouldn't. You know, you know what's wrong with you? You better. You never. You, 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 it's your fault. You know, if you'd only, <laughs> they blame everybody. They're, to, they're, they're big victims. And that's what that song is about. But most of the other songs, I always say I'm, I'm pretty easy to understand. I, uh, I heard Jimmy Reed and Hank Williams when I was a kid, and they took me to a place of enchantment or, you know, delight, you know, some, something that I wasn't experiencing here on this plane. So I always felt like it was so transcendent that it brought, I always wanted to put together a song and develop a song that, and transmit it to others and get them to feel what I felt when I first heard Hank Williams and Jimmy Reed. That's been my whole life trying to do that. Whether it's with the play, we have a play opening up on Broadway here in the fall this year, and it's two and a half hours long. 
And it's the same theory. I wanted to take people on a trip and take them to a higher reality and a place of hope. I want them to walk out of the theater going, wow, you got to see this again. This is great. You know, that's, I want it to be something that cannot be denied.
Something that, again, is, is um, universal with music is sometimes the lyrics express feelings that you cannot express. And that seemed to come across even in the songs that you had with the Belmonts, like uh, No One Knows, my, my Heart's Breaking. It's a universal language. You know, you hit on something. Uh, you, you just hit on something that's truly monumentally <laughs> of importance to me. Because when I was a kid... There were certain things you couldn't say, and it could kill you. You know, those feelings of like, they just, they, you spiral inward and you could explode. But music, I discovered you could put a song together like no one knows what I go through and the tears I cry for you. And you couldn't say that to somebody, but you could, uh, my heart is breaking, but no one knows. But you could do it in a song and and not get penalized or, or feel threatened by, like, what, what's going to happen to me if I say this? But in a song, you could say anything, and people go, oh, all the guys in the barroom, they keep putting nickels and dimes in the, you know, the jukebox. I want to hear that song again, again, because, you know, only the lonely. You can't say that to another guy, but you could listen to it all day long, you know, and say, that's a great song. It threatens nobody. It bypasses that place of uh where you get threatened it just bypasses it and it goes into your soul it's so it's it's almost like a secret i found out like i can't say these things but i could sing about them it's salvation
seems to be a, a little bit of a thread from your new album girlfriends and even in your early work whether it's uh, donna the prima donna or run around sue is observing life and that dynamic between men and women that seems to still hold well relationships are, are difficult you know i first you gotta first you gotta get along with yourself and i gotta get along with you <laughs> you know so there's so much to write about in the 50s everybody was they were writing these name Nammy, Pammy, kind of like put your head on my shoulder or Venus or, you know, so I, you know, I was thinking like, yeah, a little, you know, you got to get some girls in here that got some grit, you know, like you could get, you know, some conflict, you know. So uh, I've always liked, you know, mixing it up because uh, that's the way relationships are, you know, so I, you, you could, you could write forever on relationships, you know. You ask 10 people what their definition of love, and you get 10 different answers. Here's my story, it's sad but true. It's about a girl that I once knew. She took my love, then ran around with every single guy in town. Oh, 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 oh. I fell in love and my love still grows 
something that you're also known of as well is with the Bronx as well is reflecting people around you or, or seeing things that are going on and then putting that into art, into song like The Wanderer. You were able to sort of reflect what was going on in around you. And Yeah, the fun thing about that, like songs like uh, The Wanderer, you know, I found out maybe in my early years, I did it on, uh, I did it on just uh, not inspiration, but just naturally, just came out of me, like like seeing these wise guys on the corner in the in the you know come out of the ballroom, you know, gangster types, and I thought, you know, when I heard Muddy Waters do "I'm a Man" or "Hoochie Coochie Man" or "Manish Boy," you know, there's a thing in the blues call, that I call bragging rights you know i'm the hoochie coochie man so i started out the wanderer i'm the wanderer then and then i wrote king of the new york streets yo i'm king of the new york streets then on another album every time i i'm putting an album together it seems like one of these songs like emerge i wrote a song called i'm the gangster of love and then i, I wrote a song called i got the cure on the new album with rory block i said don't you want a man like me yo don't you want a man like me? The kid is here. I'm the, you want this guy right here. You know, it's like a bragging rights song. And I love those kind of songs. It just, they have such attitude, you know, and I, I, I picked it up from Muddy Waters. Blame him.
There's another great song of yours, Every Day That I'm With You. That was about Buddy Holly, wasn't it? That song, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, it's uh, a song that was written about Buddy. You know, I haven't done it in a long while. I I did it in a video because uh, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009, on the 50th anniversary of that tragic plane crash, they came down to my house. They said, would you tell us the story about the about that tour? I did like an hour and a half video just explain from A to Z. No one's ever asked me to explain it like that or listen to an hour and a half of my telling a story. And I did. I, I told them what I remembered. And my memory's quite good before the crash. After the crash, my memory's a little uh, hazy, but... I sang that song every day that I'm with you because I really feel like Buddy Holly's always been an inspiration in my life. He uh, he was a very strong character. He was very decisive and beautiful guy. And he told me, he said, Dion, I don't know how to succeed, but I know how to fail. Try to please everybody, you know, and you'll fail. So do what you think is right. So I, I don't, if it wasn't for Buddy, I don't know if I would have recorded Run Around Sue and the Wanderers.
when you first heard Abraham, Martin and John, did you realise that that song would resonate with so many people? No, not at all. All right. Dick Collis sent me a demo on it, and it was it was totally different. It was a very different kind of song. He he had, uh, you know, it was like a shuffle. All right. So I I kind of changed the melody a little, and I had a gut string guitar, and I started fooling with it. And uh, my mother in law and my wife heard it. My mother in law said, "Man, that's the gospel." She said. That's a good song. You can kill the dreamer, but you cannot kill the dream. We will wow. pick up on it and carry it further. So I, I just put the song together, brought it to Laurie Records, and I never knew the way we recorded it in a time when Cream was very popular and Jimi Hendrix. Who would think a song with strings, violins, and harps would uh, top the charts? I had no idea. Martin and John 
And as you say, you're recording, writing and releasing the best material of your career at the minute, typified by girlfriends. Is the plan to just keep going, given you're in, in such a place? You know, I love creating more than I love the road. I just love putting something together that wasn't was never there. I want to get it together physically so you could hear it, so you could see it, so you could feel it. You know, I just love that part of uh, this business. I've become more of a songwriter as I've uh, aged, you know. And one beautiful thing about still being here is I learned how to ask for help. I never could do that when I was young. I had to do everything myself. And now I ask Mark Knopfler or Eric Clapton, who, by the way, is such a generous. These guys are so generous. It's unbelievable. Eric Clapton just wrote a forward to a new book I wrote. He he is he's a good man. He's he's a giver. He's a, he's a giver, and he knows when to give and when not to give. You know, but I've learned to ask for help, and it's wonderful to uh, to feel that kind of response. And I I'm so grateful for it. It's it's kind of like a, it hurled me into a place. I feel like I caught a wave, and I'm just skating. You know, or or riding the wave, it's like it's effortless, you know. So it's a beautiful time of life. I'm I'm finding out that, uh, you know, I used to be frightened to ask for help. God forbid you should ask for help. You're weak, you know. <laughs> you know, be self-sufficient, be strong, do it yourself. Nah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I get that. Don't get me wrong. I get that. I don't want to be a, a want. But, but this isn't like taking it's be, just being open to receive gracefully. That's a great way to close. Thank you so much for your time, Dion. I've loved listening to Girlfriends as well as your your recent run of albums in addition to your amazing uh, body of work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Pleasure, man. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. All right. Take care. Have a great day, man. People call me to scandalize them world was my appetizer I turned gangs into fertilizer King of the New York streets I broke hearts like window panes For breakfast I'd eat nails and chains To my kingdom I'd proclaim King of the New York streets And we walk with sand I floored my accelerator All the way to the equator Just a local gladiator King of the New York streets I was only 16 years what could I have known? In my mind, these passing years, the legend show has grown. Oh, people come from miles around see my royal tenement crown. Always up, never down, king of the New York street. Tall from 
all this feeling I, I bump my head on heaven's ceiling Shooting dice, double dealing King of the New York streets We walk, we sing like I was only 16 years, what could I have known? In my mind, these passing years, the legend sure has run. Each time I jump behind the wheel of a pinstripe custom Oldsmobile, guys they bow and the girls they squeal. King of the New York streets Local is I deflated Backstreet jive that I translated Top ten girls were all I dated They call me King New York streets We walk God, I just rule from my backyard, living fast, living hard, yeah, king of the New York my own eyes I awoke one day and I realized this attitude come from cocaine lies king they call me for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests to support me just go to the strangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the home page thank you very much Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.